Nine Podcasts. I'm Elise. And I'm Tom. As Oscar Wilde once said, Ultimately, the bond of all companionship, whether in marriage or in friendship, is conversation. Welcome to our husband-wife podcast, The Elliot Exchange. What could possibly go wrong? Find out with us by tapping the follow or subscribe button on The Elliot Exchange, wherever you get your podcast. Hi, Elise. Hi there, Tom. Now, look, I gave some relationship advice to a work colleague yesterday. Oh, there's mistake number one. And, well, let's just say it may not have gone the way I intended. Mm. So I just set the scene. So Jimmy, who's one of my producers, he's been married for a year, although weirdly he has a child that's more than a year old, which I still don't really understand. Well, you have one too. No, we don't, don't talk about that. That's, by the way, it's our child for those of you who are listening. Um, now, so so – Jimmy's wife, Fiona, got sent a bunch of flowers anonymously yesterday. And she texted Jimmy, assuming they were from him. Was it their wedding anniversary? Yes. Right. So she would. Yeah, she would assume it was him. And he and and she said, "Oh, thank you, darling. The flowers are lovely." And Jimmy says to me, "He goes, oh, I didn't I didn't send the flowers. What do I do?" And I said, the truth shall set you free. I think you need to come clean. If you imply that you did send them and then she later f- finds out that you didn't, you'll be in trouble. Anyway, so he, he told her the truth, said, actually, they're not from me. And then he did get in trouble. And she said, oh, you're not romantic anymore. You know, why didn't you send me flowers? And he's like, what do I do now? And I said, oh, well, question her. Like, why is she getting anonymous flowers from someone? And then, and then he started writing her a poem. To, to try and get back in the good Haiku? books. No, it was it was a whole lot of rhyming. It did rhyme quite well. I'll give him that. It's you know, very it basic. Roses are red, violets are blue, something, something, something. I, I love stuffed you. Off, yeah. but I still love you. Now, sh- should he have told the truth? Well, let's just backpedal a little bit. Number one, to all the men out there, and I'm, I, I know this is being reverse sexist, but to all the men, write down your wedding anniversary, put it in your diary, even put it on the fridge, and don't forget it. Mm. Number two, when in doubt, always, always send flowers. And don't do flowers just when you're in trouble. You know, flowers anytime will be welcome. So just do it. Out of the blue, on a random Tuesday afternoon for no reason at all, go for flowers. On your wedding anniversary, definitely flowers. Um, I'm intrigued by the anonymous, Mm. anonymous flower giver. I think Fiona should have really ramped that up a bit and gone, ooh, Rather than getting angry with him, go, well, babe, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm a desirable woman. You've got some competition. You've got some competition. You know, it's called mimetic desire. When someone else wants something, that thing becomes more desirable. Yes. So this could be a perfect case of mimetic desire where Fiona is even more desirable because people are sending flowers. And rule number three, or we might even be up to four or five by now, no relationship advice, A, from you and B, in the workplace. So what you're saying about mimetic desire, so so their marriage, it's a bit like like you've had a few drinks and you're at some sort of football club night and they're auctioning off, you know, a signed jumper in a frame yep. and because the bloke next to you wants it, yep. you want it too. Correct. Like, right. like there's a little red truck in the corner in the, the classroom and no one's playing with it and then one kid plays with it and then another plays with it and then all of them want to play with it. 
that's mimetic desire, which which lifts the stakes of something because more people want it. So Fiona's stakes have gone up. She's yeah. a winner in all well, of this. Well, Jimmy, after the fact, so it's too late now, thought up a middle, sort of a middle ground. What he should have said was he should have texted her and just said, you deserve them, baby, which is not saying that he gave them. Just saying that she deserved the flowers. So omitting the truth. Yeah. Well, just no, just saying that you deserve them. It's a fact. But implying that maybe he gave them, but if he, if he gets caught out, because I didn't say I, I, I bought them, I'm just saying you deserve so them. So she would infer that perhaps he did give them to her. Yes, that's right. Anyway, he didn't do that. So he's in a lot of trouble now. I don't, and I don't, also, you know, I don't mind the poem. Can we get the poem? I'd like to read yeah, it I, out. I, I, I'd really love to read <laughs> it out. He, he came in during like the news during the show and mm. started reading out the first dozen lines. It was quite long. A few stanzas for Yeah, you. stanzas. A little. And uh, I, I don't – he hadn't finished it by the end of the program. <laughs> the apology anniversary poem. I might add that, you know, during the radio show he should have been focusing on doing his work, not writing love poems. <laughs> but he had a bit of backpilling to do. So uh, next week I'd like to, A, find out who was their flower giver, mm. God love them, and, and B, B, the poem. Well, he may or may not give it up. Now, we also have an email, Elise, mm. on a slightly different type of relationship issue. And, of course, you can email us all of your problems, your marital issues, whatever they are. We won't solve them, as Elise often says, but we'll try. Exchange at nine.com.au. Emma says, I'm a 28-year-old woman in a steady relationship with a good job. And, honestly, all I want in life is to be a kept woman, to look after our home, have kids, not work, and be provided for. However, says Emma, when I share this sentiment with my girlfriends, I am completely shut down for being anti-feminist. Now, is this fair? It's a really, really tricky one. Personally, I love working. I really do. If, if, I, if I won Tats Lotto, I would continue to work because it gives me a great sense of worth, a great sense of self. Um, I feel relevant and Would valued. you really? So if you won, say, $50 million. Yeah, still work. But, you know, I love my job. I mean, driving around in hot cars all day could be worse. However, each to their own. And I, I can't stand, I, you know, one of the downfalls of feminism is women pitted against other women. Mm. And, you know, to, to have one woman saying you're anti-feminist because you're staying at home, ironically is anti-feminist because it's criticising a woman for doing what she wants to do. Right. I believe if a woman has the means to stay at home and she wants to, that's okay. If she finds, which is a massive job, looking after children and looking after the home, a valuable thing, good for her. If another woman wants to or has to work, good for her. But I think to judge another person for that is most unfair. Because yeah, I've, I've always thought what feminism was trying to get to was choice, as in you're not forced into a role. So you could you could choose to work or choose to go to university or choose to stay home and raise children or whatever. But if, as long as it's your choice mm. and you're not being forced into it, that's okay. So, Emma, what you should say to your uh what are we up to? Anti anti feminist friends. I'm getting the a bit confused fifth now. Of the fifth fifth anti 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 feminist mm. friends mm. is that it's your choice, and like that's a, the, the the cornerstone of feminism. And they're just jealous. So Tom, it's Movember, which is when guys grow a mo for charity, mm. um, a good cause, men's mental health as well. We'll come to the quirky raising funds for charity in different ways in a tick. But first of all, let's talk about. Hairsuitness or otherwise. I love a hairy man. Give me a head with hair. Long, beautiful hair. Do you? Yeah, I think it's because of the 70s, growing up in the 70s. You know, every guy was hairy. And I know I've referred to this twice. 
in two weeks. But in the book, where did I come from? I noticed in the diagrams, yes. the man was very hairy. He was. He had a beard and hairy chest. And hairy. Probably as you else. get older, Probably you get a hairy, hairy back. Yeah, yeah, I know it's not good. Hairy ears, hairy nose, top and underneath. Yeah. yeah. So what what happens is the hair falls out from the areas where you want yeah, it, like correct. the top of your head, and it grows in the areas where you correct. don't want it. But I love a, I love a bit of a rug, not on top of the head, syrup and fig, but I love a bit of chest rug. And you know what? I like a bit of facial hair. Do you? Yeah. And mm. so I do. My dad had massive sideburns. Yes. And I remember drawing him in stick figure and he always had the sideburns. Yes. Like a, I've got a picture of my dad in about 1977 and he has the mm. big side. Yeah. There's a scene in You Only Live Twice, which mm. I think is one of the better James Bond films because yes. there's – because Sean Connery dresses up like a Japanese, which A, you're not allowed to do anymore and B yes. – he wouldn't have fooled anybody who's six foot one and whatever. But there's a scene where he's in a hot tub with um, Taganaka or whatever is the head of the Japanese Secret Service and all these, you know, big bikini-clad women are sort of attending to all their desires and the girls are are giggling amongst themselves and Tanaka goes, I suppose you know what it is about you that fascinates him. It's the hair on your chest. Japanese men all have beautiful bare skin. So he's he's very chest. Very chest. So, so back to Movember. Now, um, I think Darcy really nailed it for us in the Pride and Prejudice that Colin Firth was in because, A, he was a big spunk. B, him coming out of the pond with a wet shirt has been seared into every woman's consciousness. And what am I up to? I've just got a lost Yeah, Mr. Darcy's a big spunk. Oh, yeah. just, that's right. right. So, no, but anyway, he had really good lamb chop. He did. You're right. Cybers. You're right. So I like that. Now, I've seen a photo of you. One where you have a bit of a mo, and it looked kind of fetching. Well, there, there was a time. So, in nineteen ninety one, I did a long, a long time, time ago. ago. I, by the way, I was at the gym last night, and we were, and Brian Adams came on towards the end. We were mm. doing some sit ups and things. And these two girls in their twenties were next to me, and I said, "Oh." I saw him live in 1984, and they just looked at me, and one of them said, "Gee, that's a that's a long time, time ago. ago. Like we weren't even. I think our two ages together don't add up to I how know. long ago that and is." And I'm digressing again, yeah, further away from the the topic at hand. But um, last night when we were trying to watch The Winter King again, and you fell asleep again, I paused it while you were snoring, and was just Google stalking the lead guy Arthur, who plays Arthur, because mm. he, he is seriously gorgeous. And he was born in 1987. Yeah. Oh, he's so young. Like, so he was born after you went to that Brian Adams concert. That's right. Anyway. Anyway, we, we digress. digress. So back to you. You mm. looked great with a mo. Yeah, so 1991. And you always clean shaven. And yeah. when I met you, you had longer sideburns. They've gone. I, I don't know. I think go, get a bit of fur back. Well, so 91, I went away. I'd finished my exams. I I I didn't shave for about 10 days. So I had sort of fuzz all over my face. I might add it was a fetching shade of ginger, which oh is a... God, you didn't tell me you had the no. redhead gene. You no, should, no, no. You should have no, disclosed that. I did. I, when, when, when you were pregnant and we had scans for what it's we now know is Ava. when I'm pregnant. I said, can you tell if she's going to have red hair? And the nurse said, no, we don't have a test for that yet. But anyway, I thought it would be a good thing. So <laughs> I, I, I looked at, I thought I'll, I better have a shave. And I thought, you know what? I joined up my sideburns to my moustache. And that was what I did. So no beard, but sideburns joined up to moustache. That's a bit 70s porn. I know. And it lasted about a week and then I shaved it off and there's no no photos of it. And the problem is now if I regrow it, it would be not red and probably grey. But but 
<gasps> a bit like Neil Mitchell, you know, he's oh. got the grey goatee. Very grumpy. See, you're taking over his job. You mean you, you mean, over his facial You hair. mean Colonel Sanders, as we call him, behind <laughs> his back. Yeah. Did someone say KFC? He knows you'll call him that. No, he doesn't. He'll get very upset, but then again, he gets upset about everything. Oh, that gets me grumpy. So Movember, every year, someone, well-meaning person like Richard, who has a beard all the year round, says, oh, go on, grow a moustache, grow a beard, grow this. I remember my, my both, both my parents said to me, Dad said, oh, uh, you know, three things you can't trust in business. Uh, anybody who's got a, a degree higher than a master's degree, uh, anybody who wears a bow tie, and anybody who has a beard. And my but mother said the same you thing. You can add novelty socks. And not, well, novelty socks hadn't really been invented mm. back then. And my mother was the same thing. She said, oh... Men with beards, you know, usually they're trying to cover something up. They're trying to hide something. And that, and that's stuck in what, my what head. They trying to well, their faces for a start. Mm. Um, but see, now, they, now it's quite common again like it was in the 70s. Like it's sort of yeah. crept back in. I, look, I don't mind a beard. I hate a vanity beard. That's when, you know, it's like the Craig David really manicured, like the line along there. Like it strikes me as some, like a guy who might use toner. Or, or if you start you know, buying moustache wax to, you know, yeah, to twirl. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I just, I, I can't. Could you just over summer, just for a stir? All right, I'll grab my sideburns. Now, you touched on red hair there, which leads neatly into another issue I'd like to discuss. What is your deal breaker? Um, there are women around that you have told me discriminate against men who are shorter than them? There's one person in particular. Yeah, there's Genevieve who works here. You don't have to use her name. It's really indiscreet. Oh, well, I won't use her last name, which is Rule. But um, <laughs> she – she, I only learnt this the other day, but she is a bit heightest. Mm. Now, Genevieve, I guess, is five, eight, something like that. So she's tallish, but not mm. super tall. But she will not go out with a guy, apparently, who is shorter than her. Mm. And apparently with online dating, it's a real problem because a lot of men exaggerate their height. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember years ago being at the football and I saw Dr. Jeff Edelston, who was about five foot four yeah. and he sort of sat cross-legged and I could see that he had these built up shoes, <laughs> but not like, not like seventies platform the shoes. The high and mighty shoes. Well, they, they were, they were sort of cleverly built to, to conceal the fact that you had them and he had his pants cut a certain way to cover up the higher heels. Mm. Anyway, so, it, it, but I don't think it's right for Genevieve to be like that because there is a man shortage out there. Uh, you've got to have a bit of a list, as if you didn't have a list. See, I really wanted to throw height and melanin into my gene pool. Right. So I got height. Okay. Uh, I've got a few freckles <laughs> that are getting bigger as I get older. <laughs> so you wanted height and darker skin. Mm. Yeah, this uh, is into the gene pool. This is thinking more Darwinian, so you what, know, moving so forward. You see, what am I, do I have a deal breaker? Smart. Got to be smart, funny. Smart, funny. You've got all that. No, you've um, got all that. No, but I mean for me. No, I mean for me. Oh, for me. <laughs> no, oh. me. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I, I'm – What do you think about me? No, the only reason you chose me is because <laughs> there was a man shortage, and there is. I've done the numbers. Like most women want to be with someone who's uh, at their level of education or higher, who's, uh, uh, well, obviously unmarried, although – some women don't even seem to care about that. Um, and and there's, not, there's, there's a lot more women that go to university than men these days. So if you, if you want to – like if you go to university and get a degree and you want to be with a bloke who gets a degree, there's, it's about 55% women at uni and only 45% men. So already there's a shortage of men and on and on it goes. Look, I think you have to be prepared to compromise yes. on certain things. But there might be fundamental things that you, you really would begin to grate after a while. Like imagine being with someone who was – 
allergic to dogs. Oh, oh, I right. am. Oh. I had a, I patted a dog this morning. It was so cute. The it was the builders. One. No, yeah. it was the builders kelpie. Oh, the kelpies. And, and he came into our house. The yeah, the kelpie. Yeah, yeah. It just it just like Paul. Me. If you're listening, and I then had to go and wash my hands afterwards. But I like dogs. I just you can't watch live dog with videos. one. Yeah, I love watching dog videos. There's a thing I watch called Peggy and Molly. Mm. And it's about a couple. I think they're in. I'll say New South Wales, but I don't really know where they are. They live in sort of semi-rural, and they have two Staffordshire Terriers. And they once rescued a, mag, a baby magpie that fell mm. out of the nest. And now the magpie thinks it's a dog. Yeah. And it barks. I know. You keep, you keep and, watching and, that And video. it plays with the dogs and wrestles with them. You and, watch and that a lot, that video. It's amazing. But it's a nice reprieve from all your World War II and sci-fi videos. So yes. I'm not going to say no to that. Um, I Yeah, so <laughs> for me, perhaps humour, uh, smarts. Just on the sense of humour, there was a survey that came out last week saying that women, it's actually not important. People, people sort of say they want a good sense of humour, but, but they, really they don't. don't care. Yeah, yeah. No, I love funny. Uh, height, not bad. But, you know, I'm a shorty, so really. So does it just have to be taller than you or was it taller than This is than more it? for, you know, propagation. Right. Next generation, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, the dogs thing. How yeah. about you? What's your little list? Well, I'm trying to think. I, I I don't have an issue with height or education or eye colour. Um, there's certain accents I would struggle with. <laughs> I was just beginning to think you'd become really tolerant, broad-minded, mm. kind. Well, have you heard like uh, a Geordie, for example, someone from the, I think that's the north east of England or something right, like that? How does it go? How does it go? Uh, unfortunately, some vandals have sworn all over my car again. <laughs> vandals, eh, Mr. Parrish, you know? Makes me wonder what it's all about. Yeah. A boot? Hi, you know, vandals, you know. What, what is it all about? Oh, about, sorry. <laughs> Sometimes it's difficult to understand the, uh, the Geordie people. What about a really ocker Australian? Oh, no, I like that. G'day, gang. Yeah, Not bad yourself? Yeah, mate. Can't complain? Yeah. I quite like that. Do you? Like, I remember watching the original version of Puberty Blues, and the girls in that had quite broad accents. They sure did. Um, um, so, hang on. So, we've got a Geordie accent. I just want to get this list of accents. Geordie, this uh, is outrageous, as your dad would say. It's outrageous, Tom. Probably any Manchester. I don't really like Man-curing. that much. Mancunian. Um, Liverpool. So, we're, we're keeping to yeah. you. Yeah. All the, most Charles. other accents I like. Like I like Irish and Northern Irish. I like, you know, uh, even uh, the Kiwi accent can get a bit grating after a while. What about South African? You've dated a few well, of those. Well, yeah. That, that, it's funny, a really thick South African, like I heard, I watched the Rugby World Cup on the weekend and, and Peter Stiff Dutoit was the, was the best player on the ground and he, he got interviewed afterwards and he had the thickest. And how do you sound? Very thick Afrikaner on. accent. Oh, yeah, the boys play. No, I've got to get this right. Um yeah, we tried real hard and the boys played well. And uh, I just want to say to my family, home in South Africa, you know, it's a wonderful honour and I'm not even doing justice to it. Mm, mm, okay. All right. Note to self. Yeah. No but but so back to Genevieve. I mean, if you, if you sit there saying, uh, you know, <laughs> deal breaker, hype, this, this, this and this, soon you'll be, you know, at home, you know, stroking the cat on a Saturday <laughs> night. and Is that a know, metaphor? Yeah, looking at streaming <laughs> services. I told I told one of our producers here. So he doesn't. It doesn't even go in. So it's all right. Moving I told, on. I told one of the producers here, Alyssa. She <laughs> that was for you, Richard. She alone. was she was single, and it's like a separate channel. Yeah. 
on. Anyway, Alyssa was single, and I said, and I told her about the, you know, how you, she needs to go out with a tradie, <laughs> not a, not always be looking for someone who's more educated. Yeah. She's very very well spoken and well educated. So she went out with a tradie, and he turned up to their date drunk. And then proceeded to get more drunk during the date and picked a fight with someone. And she said, never again, never yeah, again. Yeah, a guy picking a fight. So yeah. Good. But I said, to, I said to her, look, he's just a bit nervous and he's had a bit of Dutch courage and you, you should see it as a compliment. Anyway, she didn't see it that way. So girls, all I would say is don't, don't have too many deal breakers because otherwise the, 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 the crazy cat lady beckons in a few years' time. They call her the cat lady. People say she's crazy just because she has a few dozen cats. Tom, sadly, Friends star Matthew Perry died over the weekend. He was age 54, which is, what, is that how old you are? I'm, I'm turning 56 in three weeks. That's somewhat sobering to see people younger than me dying of, well, I won't say of natural causes because I think he might have hastened his own demise. But, mm-hmm. yes, it is it is sobering. Now, uh, two, two questions from here. A, were you a friend's watcher? Did you watch this show? And B, what do you think about this sort of global outpouring of grief when someone quite famous dies and then everyone feels they have to post about that person and how it's impacted on them? Well, I was shocked yesterday. I, I got the Herald Sun, you know, Melbourne's biggest selling newspaper, and it's the front page news. Mm. You know, Matthew Perry, aka Chandler Bing, dead. Now, I, I, th- I mean, okay, he was big in Friends, but I don't think he's done a great deal since then, and that finished 20-odd years ago. But I think the problem for me was in the 90s, I lived in a house. I, I had so little money, I didn't have a TV. And so a lot of the iconic shows from that era, like Friends or Seinfeld, I just didn't watch because <gasps> I didn't have a TV. And so I don't quite understand the obsession that, that, that why is Matthew Perry, yeah, why is Matthew Perry oh. front page news because he's died? Mm. Well, look, Friends was a very seminal show and it, it really struck a chord with so many people. And I think because it, everyone could relate to at least one of the characters, which is similar in Seinfeld or they're, they're a bit more left of field. Uh, so for a lot of people, it was very symbolic of that period of their lives. So they feel very nostalgic. They feel very connected to the characters. It ran for heaps and heaps of episodes. So I kind of understand that. And <laughs> when people want to grieve someone, often I think it's more reflective of, of a deeper sadness. They might be sad about something else and they, they just feel connected and want to reach out. Um, and I'm not really adverse to people putting up photos of them with said person. For example, and I hate to hasten his demise, but Ozzy Osbourne, for example. Oh, I, you, don't, you don't have to hasten his demise. He's done <laughs> as much right. as he possibly can to I hasten his own demise. Someone has been in my room and taken my bears away from my room. I don't think so, darling. Uh, I interviewed him and I had such a gorgeous connection with this man because I bothered to listen to his new album, may I add, and I think most people will turn up and don't. So for a week leading up to the interview, I listened every morning to this new album and so I could talk to him at length about it. And it was just a, a fun, engaged interview. I'd done all my research. And at the end, he sent me 12 white roses to work. Wow. I bet he didn't tell uh, Sharon about that. <laughs> Shazza. <laughs> Shazza was there, actually. She was quite a delightful woman, too. So if, should heaven forbid, he at some stage pass away, I've got a beautiful photo with him. I would put it up and say yeah. I had this great connection with him. So I, and I, so I won't shame people who do put up photos of famous people because I'll probably do that myself. See, I was astonished when Shane Warne died. The number of people, not people who'd met him, just people who in general had watched him play cricket or watched him in some sort of dodgy video where he's parading around in his underpants in a London hotel room. But the point is, you know, they had a public funeral for him at the MCG. Mm. 
And I think something like 60 or 70,000 people showed up. Yeah. And again, this is for someone that most of them never actually met in person, but they wanted to be there. But I don't think you can be prescriptive about grief. I don't think you can say to someone, this is how you should grieve over anyone. So let people, let people express themselves whichever way suits them. So, Elise, what have you learnt today? That you're going to start bringing me flowers more often and no need for laughter from both of you. Thanks. And secondly, that you're going to grow some sideburns over something. And with you, I learnt that 14 years ago when you were looking for someone, you wanted height and you wanted darker skin. And uh, was it Meatloaf who sang two out of three ain't bad? In your case, it's one out of two. two out of three. Tap the follow or subscribe button on the Elliot Exchange wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate it, review it, share it with your friends, talk about it, get them listening too. And you can follow me, Elise Elliot underscore media on Instagram, or you can email us, Tom. Yes, of course. We love an email, elliotexchange at nine.com.au.